Chapter Twenty Five of the Mystery of the Four Fingers. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mystery of the Four Fingers by Fred M. White. Chapter Twenty Five An Act of Charity. Fenwick looked at the speaker as if he did not exactly comprehend what he had said. The man's mind was apparently dazed, as if the accumulation of his troubles had been too much for him. He passed his hand across his forehead, striving to collect his thoughts and to find some way of facing this new and unexpected peril. "'Say that again,' he faltered. "'I don't quite understand. Surely Egan and Grady are in New York.' "'They are both down in the hall,' the man said vehemently. "'And what's more, they know that you are here. If you don't want to spend the night in jail, get away without further delay.' Fenwick could only look about him helplessly. It seemed to him futile to make further effort. Turn which way he would— there was no avenue open to him. He looked imploringly in the direction of Charles Evors. "'I think I can manage it,' the latter said. "'Now, you fellow, whatever your name is, leave the room at once, and go downstairs and close the door behind you.' The man slunk away, and at a sign from Le Fenu, Evors closed the door. Evors jumped to his feet and crossed the room to where a picture was let into the paneling. He pushed this aside, and disclosed a dark opening beyond to Fenwick's astonished gaze. The latter stared about him. "'Now get through there,' Evor said. "'It is a good thing for you that I know all the secrets of the old house. There are many panels and passages here, for this used to be a favorite hiding-place for the fugitive cavaliers in the time of Cromwell.' "'But where does it go?' Fenwick stammered. Evors explained that the passage terminated in a bedroom a little distance away. He went on to say that Fenwick would have only to press his hand upon the wall, and that the corresponding panel of the bedroom would yield to his touch. "'It is the blue room,' he said, "'in which you will find yourself presently. Wait there, and I'll see what I can do for you. I fancy that I shall be able to convey you outside the walls of the house, without anybody being the wiser.' Fenwick crept into the hall, and Evors pulled the panel across, leaving the room exactly as it had been a few minutes before." He had hardly done so, when there was the sound of footsteps outside, and without ceremony the American detectives came in. The occupants of the room had had ample time to recover their self-possession, so that they could look coolly at the intruders, and demand to know what this outrage meant. The Americans were clearly puzzled. "'I am sure I beg your pardon,' Egan said. "'But I understand that Mr. Fenwick is the tenant of the house.' "'That is so,' Evor said. Do you generally come into a gentleman's house in this unceremonious fashion? Perhaps I had better explain my errand, Egan said. We are down here with a warrant for the apprehension of Mark Fenwick, and we know that a little time ago he was in the house. He is wanted on a charge of stealing certain valuables in New York, and also for manufacturing counterfeit coins. We quite expected to find him here. In that case, of course, you have perfect liberty to do as you please, Evor said. I may explain that I am the only son of Lord Merton, and that I shall be pleased to do anything to help you that lies in my power. By all means, search the house. Grady appeared as if about to say something, but Egan checked him. It was no time for the Americans to disclose the fact that they knew all about the murder of Mr. George Le Fenu, and how Evors had been more or less dragged into the business. Their main object now was to get hold of Fenwick without delay, and take him back with them to London. "'Very well, sir.' Egan said. We need not trouble you any further. If our man is anywhere about the house, we are bound to find him. Come along, Grady. They bustled out of the room, and presently they could be heard ranging about the house. 
As the two friends discussed the situation in whispers, the door was flung open, and Vera came in. Her face was aflame with indignation. She was quivering with a strange, unaccustomed passion. "'Charles!' she cried. "'I hardly expected to see you here.' "'Perhaps you are equally surprised to see Evors,' Lefanu said. "'We have had an explanation.' "'I have already met Charles,' Vera said. "'But he did not tell me you were coming down here. Still, all that is beside the point. There will be plenty of time for full explanation later on. What I have to complain of now is an intolerable outrage on the part of Mark Fenwick. He has actually dared to intrude himself on the privacy of my bedroom, and despite all I can say—' "'By Jove! This is a piece of bad luck!' Evors exclaimed. "'My dear Vera, I had not the slightest idea that you were occupying the Blue Room.' in fact i did not know that it was being used at all i managed to send fenwick that way for the simple reason that there are two american detectives downstairs with a warrant for his arrest it was your brother's idea to get him away what for vera asked passionately why should we trouble ourselves for the safety of an abandoned wretch like that he is the cause of all our troubles and sorrows for the last three years he has blighted the lives of all of us and there is worse than that for as sure as i am speaking to you now the blood of our dear father is upon his head. Yes, and mine might have been also, but for a mere miracle, Lefinu said. He tried to do away with me. He would have done away with all of us if he had only dared. But one thing do not forget. He is our mother's only brother. Vera started and bit her lips. It was easy to see that the appeal was not lost upon her, and that she was ready now to fall in with her brother's idea. She waited quite humbly for him to speak. I am glad you understand, he said. It would never do for us to hand that man over to justice, richly as he deserves his sentence. And you can help us, if you will. Those men will search every room in the house, including yours. If you are in there when they come, and show a certain amount of indignation— Oh, I quite understand, Vera responded. And I will do what I can for that wretched creature. What is he doing now? Lefinu asked. He has huddled himself up in a wardrobe, Vera explained. He seems so paralyzed with fear— that I could not get anything like a coherent account of what had happened. Anyway, I will go back to my room now. You need not be afraid for me. As matters turned out, Vera had no time to spare, for she was hardly back in her room before the detectives were at the door. She came out to them, coldly indignant, and demanded to know what this conduct meant. As was only natural, the Americans were profoundly regretful and almost abjectly polite, but they had their duty to perform, and they would be glad to know if Vera had seen anything of Mark Fenwick, for whose apprehension they held a warrant. "'Well,' Vera said loftily, "'you don't expect to find him in here, I suppose. Of course, if your duty carries you so far as to ransack a lady's room, I will not prevent you.' The absolute iciness of the whole thing profoundly impressed the listeners. Astute as they were, it never occurred to them that the girl was acting a part. Furthermore, with their intimate knowledge of Fenwick's past, they knew well enough that Vera had no cause to shield the man of whom they were in search. "'We will not trouble you,' Egan stammered. "'It is a mere matter of form, and it would be absurd to suppose that our man is concealed in your room. In all probability he received news of our coming, and got away without warning his companions. It is just the sort of thing that a man of his type would do. We have the rest of the gang all safe, but we shall certainly have to look elsewhere for their chief.' Will you please accept our apologies? Vera waved the men aside haughtily. She was glad to turn her back upon them, so that they could not see the expression of her face. She was trembling violently now, 
for her courage had suddenly deserted her. For some long time she stood there in the corridor, until, presently, she heard the noise of wheels as two vehicles drove away. Then, with a great sigh of relief, she recognized the fact that the detectives had left the house. She opened the door of her room and called aloud to Fenwick. She called again and again, without response. "'You can come out now,' she said contemptuously. "'There is no cause to fear, for those men have gone.' A moment later the yellow, fear-distorted face of Mark Fenwick peeped out into the corridor. He came shambling along on tottering limbs, and his coarse mouth twitched horribly. It seemed to Vera as if she were looking at a mere travesty of the man who so short a time ago had been so strong and masterful and courageous. "'They gave me quite a fright,' Fenwick said in a senile way. He seemed to have aged twenty years in the last few minutes. That that was very cool and courageous of you my dear i couldn't have done any better myself you dear kind girl he advanced now and would have taken vera's hands in his but she turned away from him with loathing she was wondering which she disliked most the cold cruel determined criminal or this miserable wreck of a man glad to lean on any one for support don't touch me she said with a shudder don't thank me for anything for i should have handed you over to those men gladly I was ready and willing to do so, only my brother recalled to me the fact that the same blood runs in the veins of both of us. It was the remembrance of this that made me lie just now, that caused me to run the risk of a criminal charge myself. For I understand that anybody who harbors a thief for whose arrest a warrant has been issued runs the risk of going to jail. And to think that Liffinu should do a thing of that kind for such a creature as yourself, it is too amazing." "'I suppose it is, my dear,' Fenwick said in the same carneying voice. "'I never expected to find myself shielded behind a woman, but I have lost all my nerve lately, and the more I drink to drown my troubles, the worse I get. But you must not think too badly of me, for I am not so black as I am painted.' "'Could you be any blacker?' Vera asked. "'Could any human being have descended lower than you have descended? I think not. You imagine, because I threw in my lot with you three years ago, that I knew nothing of your crimes. As a matter of fact, I knew everything. I knew how you had shifted the responsibility of that dastardly murder onto the shoulders of the man who was in love with my sister Beth. It was for her sake that I pretended ignorance, for her sake that I came with you to try to get to the bottom of your designs. What I have endured in the time, nobody but myself can know. But it has all come out now, and here I am today, trying to shield you from the very vengeance that I have been plotting for you all this time. Oh, don't say anything. Don't deny it. Don't add any more useless lies to the catalogue of your vices. Go now. Let us see the last of you, and never intrude upon us again. All this outburst of indignation had apparently been wasted on Fenwick, for he did not appear to be listening at all. He had enough troubles of his own, and despite the fact that his nerve had failed him, it was no feeling of remorse that left him stricken and trembling and broken down before Vera's scornful eyes. He could only whine and protest that he was absolutely helpless. "'But what can I do?' he murmured, with tears in his eyes. "'I am not so young as I was. Indeed, I am much older than people take me for. I have no money, and no friends. There is not a place I can go to. Don't turn me out. Let me stay here, where I shall be safe.' "'It is impossible,' Vera said coldly. "'We have done enough.' and more than enough for you. Now come this way, 
and I will hand you over to my brother and Mr. Evors. They are cleverer than I am, and may be able to devise some means for getting you out of the country. Why don't you come?' "'I can't,' Fenwick almost sobbed. "'There is something in my limbs that renders them powerless. If you will give me your arm, I dare say I shall be able to get as far as the little room.' The touch of the man was pollution, yet Vera bravely endured it. She could hear the excited servants talking in whispers downstairs, and one of them might appear at any moment. It would be far better for the domestic staff to assume that the culprit had vanished. Otherwise their gossip would assuredly bring the detectives back again without delay. Vera was glad enough when her task was finished, and the trembling form of Mark Fenwick was lowered into a seat. The cunning look was still in his eyes. The born criminal would never get rid of that expression though for the rest he was an object now more for pity than fear. "'It is very good of you,' he said. "'It is far better than I deserve. You will say I can't stay here.' "'That is absolutely certain,' Le Fenu said coldly. "'Most assuredly you can't remain here. You may remain for the night, and Mr. Evors and myself will try and think of a plan between us.' "'And Zary?' Fenwick whispered. The mention of that dreaded name set him trembling again, keep me away from Zary. I'm afraid of a good many things. But the mere mention of that man's name stops my heart beating and suffocates me. You had better go away, Le Fenu said to Vera, and leave the wretched creature to us. There will be no trouble in hiding him here for a bit. There are two rooms here that nobody knows anything about except Evors and his father. Vera was only too glad to get away into the open air, glad to feel that at last this nerve-destroying mystery was coming to an end. She wanted to see Venner, too, and tell him all that had happened. In all probability he was waiting at the accustomed spot. With a light heart and a feeling of youthfulness upon her that she had not felt for some time, she set out on her journey. End of chapter 25